Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 6. And after reading this, I could have entitled this very easily, Christ the Bread of Life. But the Lord directed me to another thought as I read and prepared, and that is more than enough. I've asked you that question. Is Christ more than enough for you and me? Well, he certainly is. The scriptures speak of that grace abounding that is greater than all our sin. And I know there's some that would accuse us of limiting God's work by saying, well, it's only for the elect. But those that say it's for everybody, without exception, and yet it doesn't actually save everybody, they're limiting the grace of God then in its power to save. Because they say, well, he wants everybody saved, but alas, not everybody saved. Now, I will tell you that when God has chosen those that he'll save and then saves everyone, as we're going to see here with this, these baskets that were left over, that nothing be lost. We see in that more than enough. Could the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ have saved the entire world? More than enough in that blood to do so. But that's not what God purposed. It was for those that the Father had given him. And so I want us to see that. That our eyes see just how glorious he is. So let's read this from verse 1 down to verse 13. And then I'd like to make a few comments. More than enough. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. This would be in the northern part of the country, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Someone mentioned the other day that word diseased has the word dis-ease. You're not at ease. I thought that was interesting. Anything that caused this suffering that troubled these. And they saw how Christ, we talk about more than enough in his power to heal whom he would. And yet, did he heal everybody? No. There were those he that this was a particular blessing to show his power in them. Like he said to that one lame man, stand up and walk, that you might know that today the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. There were many other lame people that he passed by. It wasn't that his power was not sufficient to heal every person, but that wasn't his purpose. That was not his design. So even here, more than enough. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was not. I find it interesting again, hear this expression, a feast of the Jews. It had been so perverted. It was God's feast. But the way the Jews celebrated, it had been so perverted in how they offered the sacrifices from the priests on down. It was corruption that the Lord directs John here to write about it as being a feast of the Jews. 
But that in itself did not limit our Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless of what men did with it as a type, it still served as a type. And I would say even in studying the Passover, is there not more than enough as we reflect upon what that Passover meant to God himself for us to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? If we don't, it's because of our own blindness. But that feast was nigh. And when Jesus then lift up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, do you suppose our Lord asked that question because he didn't know? It's like back there in the garden after Adam and Eve had fallen. Adam, where art thou? He wondered. They were being able to hide from God. He knew. He was getting them to confess. And here, our Lord, the great master teacher, was more than likely expressing what they were thinking already. These were thoughts that probably they had amongst themselves. Look at this crowd here. How on earth are we going to feed all these? So the Lord expressed it. When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said, what? To prove him. Here again, how our hearts need to be proven. Because when the Lord puts us in situations, and when everything's going well, it's easy to say, God's sovereign, amen. But when he puts you in a situation that you begin to wonder, how am I going to get through this? These times the Lord ordains to prove our heart. Trials don't give faith. That's the Spirit of God does, but trials prove faith. And this is an example here, for he himself knew what he would do. How does he know what he would do? It's because he's, all things are in his hands. He's eternal God, God in the flesh. And yet they needed to see that in the Lord Jesus Christ is more than enough. Is there ever a trial that you can look back on for your lifetime? that you would have to be brought to say the Lord wasn't enough. Not at all. Times when you could not even hold on to him. But he never lets you go. More than enough. But he said this to prove them. Because he knew what he would do. We don't. The Lord never reveals ahead of time what it is he's going to do, but he does, as time unfolds, reveal unto us what he's purposed all along. It's like that man I read about one time that was facing execution. He and his friend were both in the same situation, and he began to say to his friend, I just don't know if I have strength enough to face this. And his friend said, well, have they executed you yet? We don't know the time. We just know we're here because they put us in prison, persecution. And uh, the friend that was fearful, he said, uh, well, no. He said, well, God will give grace exactly when it's time. But before then, we live by his mercies even now. And that's a good thought. Take no thought of tomorrow.
what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to do because sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But I'll tell you this, underscore it in your Bible, he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. Here's that unbelief. Here's this, here's the Lord himself. And yet, 200 penny worth is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, I can picture our Lord just listening to their discussion. He knew what he would do. But now they're just, they're trying to work this out in and of themselves. Isn't that the way we are? Rather than looking to the Lord and waiting on the Lord and seeing what he would do, this flesh would have us busy about trying to figure it out. But one thing's for sure, the Lord put them in a situation where they would not have sufficient to provide for such a large crowd. They didn't, these weren't rich people. How on earth would they even find the means to get enough? And then the Lord directed them to a lad. He was there all the time, verse 9. There's a lad here. They started looking around probably to see, well, who all brought some food with them that we can share here? There was a lad. Not anybody of significance or importance. We don't even know his name. And yet the Lord purposed that he should be there that day, at that time. And he had five barley loaves and two small fishes. But here again is that unbelief. What are they among so many? Haven't we in our times of trial asked the same thing? Here we've got this need, and but what are we doing? We're looking at the need. Our eyes aren't on the Lord. We're looking around. What are these among so many? But they're about to learn that in the Lord Jesus Christ there was more than enough. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Isn't that amazing? As much as they would. I can imagine that as they, disciples and these others, carried the bread and the fish out to the multitudes and came back, there was more. There was a widow in the days of Elijah where that was the case. He told her to lodge him. She had just flour and oil enough for her and her son. That was going to be it. But every time she put dipped into that flour and dipped in the oil more than enough. And we look back as to the path on which the Lord has brought us. Can we not say his grace is sufficient? More than enough. But how many times we have doubted. We question God, the very God. You see how hard our hearts are. And let's not deny there's not one of us here looking at me that can't say the same thing. 
we spend most of our lives in unbelief. And yet for that, the Lord doesn't cast us off. Even here with his disciples, we don't, I don't find him scolding them. But leading, as you would expect of a shepherd. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave, leave the one I love. Sheep wander. And yet for that, the Lord has never abandoned one of his sheep. And so, when they were filled, have you ever sat down, I've done this sometimes, around a table, and it just doesn't look like there's going to be enough for everybody to eat to where, you know, if you're already starting to think, I think I'll stop by McDonald's or someplace on the way home and pick something up, because this isn't going to get it done. And yet, at the end of the meal, you're amazed that, hey, it's filled my every need. That's what this is saying here. When they were filled, there was no rush here. They're eating at their leisure. When they were filled, we're talking about 5,000 plus, because this was just the men they counted. He said to his disciples, now go gather up the fragments that remain. And here it is, that nothing be lost. This wasn't just about Christ showing his power. There's something in this lesson concerning the work and of the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing be lost, that there's nothing that is left over or done in vain when it comes to God's dealing with sinners through the Lord Jesus Christ, that nothing be lost. I'm thankful that that's true even of our salvation. There's not one for whom Christ came and paid the debt that is ever going to be lost, cast off. And so it says in verse 13, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. See, more than enough, above. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, this is of a truth. That prophet, now that is an italic, but it's implied here that these, and they would have been Jews who understood something of the Old Testament scriptures, that even as Moses had said that the Lord would raise up a prophet from among them. And again, Christ being there, beginning to open their eyes, this is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. And so this is where I want us to consider, first of all, more than enough, no matter how great the number. How great is the grace of God? How great is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Scripture says that the church of God's elect is a number which no man can number. Here again, I know we meet in small numbers here and there, and we begin to wonder how many are truly the Lord's. But the scriptures say when this is all said and done, there's going to be a number which no man can number. We tend to just look in front of us and wonder about where God is working. But regardless, no matter the number, you think about since Adam all the way till now, the remnant. 
not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about those that God by his grace has chosen and for whom Christ came and paid that sin debt. I can't fathom even bearing my own sin. But when you consider that the Lord Jesus Christ came and bore the sin of a number that no man can number, and yet God himself knowing each one, because their names are already written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that none, not one will be lost. If it was up to us, we, could, we can't even keep track of ourselves. But the Lord knows those that are his, each one. And so here we see that manifest that to the disciples, this multitude was too great even to be able to provide physically for them. And yet there's no case too hard with our Lord. Here we see an entire multitude following him. And I'm not saying here, I don't believe it's saying that all these were necessarily the Lord's, but it's a, a lesson of how the Lord cares for needy sinners. They, it says here in verse 2, followed him. For what? Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And there are a lot of reasons why people will make a profession and follow the Lord. And I will say that most today that profess him, it's out of some sort of physical need. That's what's being preached. Come to Jesus and all of your cares will be cared for. And it's a message of health, wealth, and prosperity. But I believe these here, even in their ignorance, not knowing the Lord, followed him because it was the Lord drawing them all along. Else they would not be there. And when they saw the signs that he performed, on the disease, the Lord used the occasion because it's not just a matter of seeing the miracles, but the Lord used it as an occasion to teach the multitude. And we know as we read it today, this has been preserved, been preserved for us today. If we go back and read that it's not everybody. Some will read this and just see an interesting story and move on. But here we see how the Lord used this particular illustration, if nothing else, to teach his disciples. Because it says there that he asked them the, the question it did to prove them. So there's the lesson and there's the test. But more than enough, no matter how great the number. Sometimes when I consider the vastness of this world, they say there's over 7 billion in population now growing it can become overwhelming especially here we are in a small number and yet it's easy perhaps to, to wonder well how, how can the Lord bless this with so great a number that first of all never hear and even those that hear that that number is so great what can this particular simple message of the gospel do? Well, God's purpose is that it be the means of salvation. Regardless of the number, the Lord knows those that are his, and he's going to bring that message to those that he's purposed to hear. If you'll look back even on your own life, we all began this journey in religion. And there was a day when 
we were in the mix with so many different people and yet ignorant. We would have been like these of the multitudes following after a Jesus that was being preached to us and yet ignorant as to who he is. But then there came a time when the Lord was pleased to separate us out. And the multitudes go their way. But I know this, through this simple means of exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't say to go out and try to win the world like you're hearing said today. But that's the purpose of so many today. They think we've got to win everybody. No. The Lord knows those that are his. And regardless of the number, there's more than enough in who he is to save the vilest of sinners. And I know that to be so because here I stand. And if you're the Lord, you know that to be so. Irrespective of what he does with the rest of the world, if he's been pleased to reveal himself in you, then you can testify more than enough, more than we ever thought, found more than we ever imagined. Think about this multitude sitting down here. I'm sure there was probably a bunch of chuckling going on when they took these loaves and fishes and started passing them around. They're just, and yet, in the end, everyone was fed. That's who Christ is. More than enough, no matter the need. We know that with regard to our Lord Jesus Christ as well. All of us have different needs. And the Lord knows our needs. And those needs, as the Lord reveals them, I believe are tailor-made for each one of us. It's not all cookie-cut. It's not the same. He's going to make us know our need. And then he's going to meet that need in his time. And uh, that's what I see here. We don't know of these how many were truly the Lord's. As we read on in this particular chapter, we're going to find out that most of them that followed him weren't the Lord's. As you get to the end of the chapter, and this is a long chapter that we have to go through, but you can see that when the Lord began to teach them, so here's this multitude that came to him, not even recognizing their spiritual need. They saw how the Lord answered the physical need, but when he began to teach them who he was as the bread of life, See, this wasn't just a matter of passing the bread around, but there's a lesson in this as to who he is as the bread of life. And uh, it says there in verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Here's where he begins to show them what the purpose of this miracle was, to teach them something of himself. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how, it is that, how is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So there were different ones there with different needs, but the Lord knew those that were his. But in the end, when you read over in John 6 and verse 64. Our Lord knew that not all those that were there were his. He said that there are some of you that believe not. So that shows Christ's work here was unconditioned. He wasn't asking each one. Now before I give you this bread, before I give you this fish, 
you believe on me. Now, this, this, he did this work to manifest his own glory and power, whether they believed or not. Doesn't change who Christ is. Was there a need? They had a physical need, but they had a spiritual need, but they didn't recognize it. At that point, that wasn't their thought. But the Lord knew, it says in verse 64, Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed on I dare say if I looked out over a multitude of 5,000 people, 5,000 men, I wouldn't know who is it that believes and who, who doesn't. I don't even know it in our small congregation. Just the fact that we're here does not mean we believe. People come and go. But the Lord knows. But here it says, and he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. So it comes back to that, that point of teaching, truth, doctrine, who he is. And look at here. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. It just proves they weren't really his disciples. They were following for whatever reason, but then turned back because they would not have him to be who he is. But nonetheless, Again, we come back to this point. He is more than enough, regardless of what the need is, whether it's physical, but particularly spiritual. That's why he came into this world to give his life and pay the sin debt for those that the Father had given him. But thirdly, I would say a lesson that we learn here is he's more than enough no matter our own insufficiency. We're weak. Who are we? When I read here about Philip saying what he did, he's just speaking for us. How is it that this can even happen? What are they, verse 9, among so many? And I dare say, as I said before, we live most of our life in unbelief as to who Christ is and how he cares for his own, in spite of how he has led us and directed us to this point. But nonetheless, he still is who he is. He's more than enough in spite of our weakness, in spite of our insufficiency. When it says here in verse 7, 200 pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them. That would be 200 denarii. When they talk about a penny worth, don't think of our penny, but a denarii it was, would actually be more, what they're talking about here, more than six months' wages. So you can see there how their minds work. To feed this entire group here, it would take somebody's six months' worth of wages to feed them. And even that would not be sufficient. There again, it's not because of our sufficiency. Let's never put any confidence in what we have or what we've earned or what we've gained by our working. The Lord is more than sufficient, even though we ourselves are insufficient. And we'll always be that way. And this is where the Lord proves himself faithful, that in our need, in our, our deepest need, the Lord is there to provide.
more than enough, no matter how small our resources. Those uh, barley loaves, and those two fishes, five barley loaves and two fishes. Barley loaves were considered to be a very simple food. And actually, barley in that day was used to feed the animals more than the people. So it means that this boy even would have come from a poor family, judging from the type of bread that this was, these five loaves and two fishes. And yet it was such a one that the Lord was pleased to use to feed the, the multitude. I think about, and I've, I've said it often, I'm nothing more than a lad, this lad, with nothing except for what the Lord's been pleased to give me by his grace. But here I stand preaching this gospel of Christ to a world. And you talk about a multitude of people that we encounter every day. And so we might be brought to ask, what is what I have to say or speak of Christ compared to everything out there? Start with your own family. Start with those you work with and then go on out. And yet, over the years that the Lord has enabled me to preach, I've seen him take what I consider to be five loaves and two fishes, just a very simple message of the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim it. And then he sees to it that that is distributed to those that he would have to hear. And by that means, the gospel is brought to those that he's purposed to save. But it's more than enough finally here without the contribution of a man. Nothing in this story has anything to do with what man contributes in order for Christ to do his work. Some would say, well, look at the little lad. I've heard messages on a little lad. Look, he gave up his lunch. And so that as small a contribution as it was, the Lord took and blessed him. I'll tell you, that lad didn't see what he brought as any kind of contribution at all. Especially when he would have considered how it was that the Lord would be pleased to bless it and break it and feed the multitude. And I would say, even in ourselves, anything that the Lord has blessed us to give, I heard one man say one time, he blesses you to give and then he blesses you in giving. That's, what are these? That lad wasn't looking at what he gave as being something that, ah, at least I contributed. I don't find him running around telling everybody, well, at least I brought the lunch. Well, that's not how you're going to find any that are the Lord's responding. That if he's pleased even to take a simple word, I would encourage you to begin even with your own testimony how the Lord's been gracious and merciful to you. You don't have to be gifted to preach, even as I'm doing here, but just a word spoken. As the Lord gives utterance, you're around people that I'll never meet and never know, and yet it may be that some of those are the Lord's, and it will be through that word that you speak, that he gives you to speak of Christ, simply saying how Christ has been merciful to you, a sinner. And use that to bless the multitude. Because you stop and think, 
that if the Lord's pleased to use your word to reveal Christ in this one, and then that one goes and speaks to another, we don't know the end of all of this. I can't even begin to calculate it. Sometimes the Lord will, for your encouragement, I'll get a letter or an email from somebody, even as I'm doing now with Facebook and internet, I mean, it's the connections around the world. I've got second generation people over in Africa that never met me. And yet when I was over there preaching all those years ago and, and through some tough time, yet now that second generation is writing me and telling me that they heard this gospel through somebody that heard it, through somebody that heard me preach it when I was out there. I'm, I'm amazed. We don't know the extent, but the Lord does. And he's going to see to it that every one of his elect are brought to hear. So here, Christ is more than enough without any contribution of our own. That's why the Lord told these to sit down, didn't he? And come back here to my text. When it came time to feed them, he had them sit down. What's that a picture of? I see here something of Psalm 23, don't you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Here Christ is not only manifesting himself as the sovereign Lord God, he's the creator of all things. Can he not take five loaves and two fishes and multiply it? Look how he's feeding the world today. People worry about food and running out in the world. Not as long as God's directing over the billions of people that are being provided for, whether they know God or not. Can he not then, in mercy and grace, provide for that number that no man can number for whom Christ paid the debt? Can he not meet their need and give them all they need? That's why I say, we see him here not only as the creator and the sustainer, but we see him as the, the bread of life that God sent down to this earth for those that he purposed to save. And here we see him as the great shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's what I see here. And in the end, what does it say there in Psalm 23? Verses 5 and 6. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, how blessed to have such a Christ where there's nothing that's impossible for him. And uh, he is indeed more than enough. There's much more that we could bring out here, but I'll just close by saying he's more than enough in wisdom and power and grace and mercy for the chief of sinners. That's why Paul, writing there in Ephesians chapter 3, if you look there with me and then I'll close. Ephesians chapter 3. Look how this is written here. Verse 20, after he has spoken of 
the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And look in verse 19, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What it takes to save a sinner is beyond us, beyond me, but not for Christ. Think about the wisdom of God in determining that means by which sinners would be saved. But we're talking about a just and holy God. And yet, more than enough in who Christ is and what he accomplished. That there's never going to be a sin. Stop and think about that. Never be a sin for which the Lord will have to say to us, well, that was more than I could handle. No, it's all been taken care of in that the all-sufficient, infinite Savior, the infinite death which he died, had purpose to save such a wretch as I am. And so that's why Paul concludes here, now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. <laughs> Even with how he's cared for us, there's more than enough for whatever the situation. But according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Well, I pray the Lord would bless that and give us thoughts of Christ to see indeed that, that he is that all-sufficient Savior.